Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City. From WNYC, I'm Janae Pierre. A New Jersey man faces criminal charges for allegedly leading the charge of rioters to breach the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Authorities say 40-year-old Lee Giobi of East Hampton used a bullhorn to instruct rioters to push through a police line. He was released this week on a $100,000 bond. Giobi is the 40th person with ties to New Jersey charged in the deadly January 6th insurrection. In New York, more than 1,000 voters requested early mail ballots in the upcoming special election to replace former Congressman George Santos. WNYC's Bridget Bergen asked some of those early voters what issues are top of mind. Janet Davidian of Jericho is backing Democrat Tom Suozzi because he supports abortion. And she blames Republicans for not vetting Santos. They didn't even check his credentials. I mean, nothing school, parents, his job, what he makes, financial, nothing. Jim Levy of Massapequa Park says his bills keep rising, like his $15 haircut. I walk in today and the sign says, January 1st, haircuts, $20. That's a 25% increase. Levy voted for Mozzie Pillip. We'll take a break here to give you time to put your snacks away. Because our next story looks at which New York City's public schools' cafeterias have the most health code violations. Stay close. Music helps us celebrate, contemplate, cope, and connect. And we've got the stories to prove it. Join me, Terrence McKnight, for the new season of The Open Ears Project, a podcast in which people tell us about the piece of classical music that has meant the most to them. That music might even wind up being meaningful for you. The Open Ears Project. Listen now wherever you get podcasts. One-fifth of New York City's 1,400 public schools have what officials call critical health code violations at their cafeterias. That's according to a WNYC analysis of health department inspections over the last three years. WNYC's Jacqueline Jeffrey Walensky has more. First things first, if you're eating while you're listening to this, I'd suggest not doing that. That's because critical violations are the icky ones. Mice, roaches, flies. I found a worm in the salad. Are you serious? Yeah. It was like, it was like a small baby one. That's Queenie Cow. She's a 10th grader at Stuyvesant High School. The school was cited for flies and mice multiple times since 2021. Health experts say it's those kinds of repeat violations that raise concerns about foodborne illness. Dr. Donald Schaffner is a professor of food science at Rutgers University. If the same facility keeps getting dinged for the same thing and they're not fixing it, like that's a sign that somebody doesn't have their eye on the ball. A total of 234 public schools were repeat offenders. For context, that's in a school system that serves hundreds of thousands of meals each day on average. Those meals are a lifeline for many families, especially the 15% of New Yorkers who don't have enough to eat. 
The Department of Education said there hasn't been a documented medical issue related to school food, and school staff are really diligent about pest control. But Schaffner says that part of the problem could be that New York City has a lot of old school buildings. If you have an aging facility that doesn't have good infrastructure, you can have a great pest control program, but if you can't simply keep the, the critters out, then they're, they're just going to keep coming in. Public schools are doing better than private schools when it comes to food safety. Inspectors found about twice as many violations per inspection at private schools compared to public schools. City health inspectors visit each school at least once a year, and they're looking out for a huge list of possible offenses. Everything from pests to missing CPR posters and uncovered light bulbs. Another Stuyvesant student I talked to, Luca Ottaviano, was pretty blasé about the reports of health code violations at his school. I mean, I've, I've seen yeah, like mice and like in school before, but like I didn't really think too much of it. Like it's New York City at the end of the day. Like some of it is out of control. Mayor Eric Adams went all in on school lunch when he first took office. Maybe the most famous change has been his Vegan Fridays initiative. Then in 2022, the Education Department invested $50 million into making 100 school cafeterias look more like food courts. The kids I interviewed were much more passionate about the taste of the food than food safety. Francis Sullender, a sixth grader at Robert F. Wagner Secondary School in Long Island City, had a long list of least favorite menu items. Mushy green beans, weird uh, corn, pizza, and vegan chicken nuggets, which everyone hates. I've heard about the vegan chicken nuggets. What's the deal? I mean, they don't taste like real chicken nuggets. They look weird and they're not very crispy. Students might get even more fed up with their lunches in February. That's when schools will stop serving popular menu items like fries and burritos due to a $60 million budget cut from the Adams administration. That's WNYC's Jacqueline Jeffrey Walensky. If you want to see how your school measures up, read the full story on our news website, Gothamist. For a lot of people, the new year is a chance to turn the page on the past and set their sights on the future. As January comes to an end and we move even further into 2024, we're highlighting stories in our communities that focus on the idea of fresh starts. My name is Giovanna Mark. I'm 55 years old. I reside in central Harlem and my fresh start is becoming a peer specialist. What a peer specialist is, is a person who's in mental health recovery that has learned the skills, the coping skills, having this harm reduction approach, this trauma-informed approach. We're just people who, who've been there, done that, who can help someone else going through a similar situation. I've lost two children and uh, been diagnosed with all different types of diagnoses from severe depression, paranoia, uh, schizophrenic. I didn't know how to deal with realities of life after losing my boys. I, I wasn't able to function outside the home properly. You know, I was stuck. You know, I couldn't focus. I was just left out there in the cold until I got introduced to Howie the Harp at Community Access. 
It's an advocacy center which trains individuals with lived experience in the mental health system um, for direct service, supervisor, or management roles within human services. I found hope there at Community Access. Like, you know, I'm not my diagnosis, but a person first. And, and I had to recondition my mental to believe that I can be a productive member to society. I truly believe in my heart that peer specialists are agents of change. We help, we assist, you know, we don't tell people what to do, we show them. I still have those things that happened to me. It's just the way I deal with them now and the way I dealt with them then are different. I've been through the trenches. <laughs> now I'm, I live for the living, like I live to live. I wanna make a, an impact. I, wa I want people to say, wow, she's come a long way. My name is Chantel Jackson. I live in the Lower East Side in Manhattan, New York. I am from the South Bronx, and I am 24 years old. When I was three years old, my father was incarcerated, and when I was 14, my mother was also incarcerated. And now I am being the person I needed when I was a child by working with teens affected by parental incarceration at the Osborne Association with Cia Supportus. I work as a youth fellow. As a child, my father and I didn't have a relationship because of familial boundaries. And as I got older, I want to say around 18, I took more initiative to establish a better bond and relationship with him. Because as a child, I always felt more close to my dad and now he's my best friend and I don't know how I'd make it through life without him. As far as my mother, we always had a rocky relationship, but as an adult, I also took initiative to establish a better relationship with her and now we do what we can to support each other and I'm grateful for both of them. I did a lot of different things as far as like turning like my pain into power. It really started with writing. It became my number one passion. It became a listening ear for me when I felt like I wasn't being heard throughout my hardships and experiences. And it helped mold me into who I am today. A person that just wants to experience life in the most freeing way. I don't want someone to experience me and my energy and be like, oh, I know she's been through some things, some rough things. I just want to be creative, experience life, and be the best version of myself. Chantel Jackson lives on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. She grew up in the South Bronx. And before her, we heard from Giovanna Mark, a peer specialist from Central Harlem. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. I'm Janae Pierre. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>